Welcome everybody to another great installment of Calvary Christian Center. We pray that today's message encourages you and inspires you like never before. So sit back, grab your notes, your notepad, and enjoy this message live from Calvary Christian Center. Get into the deep things of God. Are you ready to take the journey with me? Say amen. Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. This is what the Word of God would say. And then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. He was hungry. Mark chapter 1. Verses 12 and 13, same account, synoptic gospels, but Mark says it like this. And immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with the wild beasts. Watch this. And the angels ministered to him. I read four verses, needed two details, but really I wanted to hone in on what Luke said. It said that Jesus, after walking through one of the toughest seasons of his life, one of the most necessary, necessary moments of his entire life, the text says that by the end of it, all it did was it made him hungry. And I feel like God brought me in this room today to talk to some people who have been through a season that was so stressful and so tough. It was so hard and you said, God, why did you take it through? Why didn't you end it? Why did you, why did you allow me to walk through it? And I feel like the Lord told me to tell you today because it's about to produce an appetite in you. The appetite that is necessary, not for where you've been, but an appetite that's necessary for where you're about to go in this next season. So if you're looking for a title, God said to tell you, it made you hungry. It made you hungry. Slip up your hands. I feel the anointing. Father, I thank you for what I feel. It's not about feeling, but I'm thankful you can be felt. Speak now in this room, God. Change us, Lord, by your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe it, somebody say amen. You can be seated. Just look at somebody and say, it made me hungry. It made, it made me hungry. It made me hungry. It made me hungry. The text I lay before you is a powerful text and a profound text. It is, a, it is an absolutely necessary text as you discover the life and the ministry of Jesus. However, this text gets its power and its strength by the preceding text that is butted up against us because the truth of God's word is, uh, the truth of, there is a continual flow of revelation that as you discover one revelation, it takes you into the next. Uh, sometimes it's hard to read scripture without tying beginnings to endings and everything in between. Sometimes Sometimes it's hard to discover where you are now unless you know where you've been. Sometimes if you would just trace back your steps, you would understand how you got to where you got to. Whether you like where you are or not, you didn't get there by accident. Oh, it's too quiet in this room. I said, you didn't get where you are by accidents, decisions, and steps, uh, and previous moments of your life led, there, led you to this place. And it is the same truth for Jesus himself, because before I can preach his temptation, I must pedal backwards to his validation. This text makes no sense outside of preaching the validation of Jesus, because the truth is the ministry of Jesus did not start at 30. 
The truth is, at 12 years old, the boy Jesus goes for his bar mitzvah, and everything changes at 12, because in Hebrew tradition, to be 12 wasn't to become a boy, it was to become a man. Because the truth is, the expectation is, is that you would mature a lot quicker than you are. Oh, that's the way it is in the kingdom. God expects maturity. He expects you to grow up. He expects you to get there a lot quicker. What if I told you God wanted you to get there faster than you think he does? What if I told you that maturity is the door that unlocks new levels and next dimensions in God? What if it's not getting an opportunity? What if it's maturity? You do know that the oil only flows on a bearded head. Oh, come on, somebody. The oil of God does not flow on baby faces. It flows on bearded heads. Is this too deep? How do you know that? The oil ran down from the head uh, even to the beard of Aaron. A beard is a sign of maturity. When God releases his oil, he loves to throw his oil on mature people. Because the anointing is authority, and authority is dangerous in the hands of somebody who can't handle it right. Jesus' ministry does not start at 30. It starts at 12 when he is ordained and thrust forward. But just because he was 12 and it started doesn't mean he stepped into it right away. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that Jesus comes in at 30 having 18 years of preparation because real people who want to do big things in God value process. They don't fight process. They, they don't hate process. They don't despise process. They take joy in process because the truth is your destiny is not microwavable. Oh, talk to me in this room. I said, your destiny can't be thrown in a microwave and come out through one class or six weeks or two months. Sometimes the greatest things that you're ever given have to go through a great process so that it can prove you and it at the same time. I feel like preaching. And the day you neglect the process, the day you step outside of the process, you have immediately said to God that you will settle for less than what it really was. Stepping outside of the process tells God that you want a lesser version of what God had prepared. But I feel like I'm in a church this morning with some people who said, I know it might not have come when I wanted it to, but I am willing, oh hallelujah, to embrace the process because I don't just want some of what God has. I want all of what God has for my life. I dare somebody who wants everything God has for you in 2020 to give God some praise, to let him know. I'm cool with the process. However long it takes, I'll be all right. If it takes days, do days. If it takes months, do months. If it's years, it's years. But whatever it takes to make me what you want me to be, I'm cool with the process. God will work a process for as long as it takes. Oh, why is the process unique? Because the destination is unique. Is that too deep? For some of us, it'll take us years. And for some of us, it seemed like it took months. And you can't get up with, you can't compare yourself to what other people's process was like because the process was unique to them, because the destination was unique to them. So if I'm still in process, I'm all right. Oh, y'all ain't saying other. If he still got me in process, I'm going to be cool with however long it takes because you can't put this in a microwave. You got to let this be slow roasted. Oh, Oh, tried by fire, refined until you come out looking like you're supposed to.
Oh, I know it's not popular preaching, but anytime you skip the process, you negate and kill the familiarity needed to function correctly. The reason why God walks you through a process is so as you go, you gain familiarity with what God is about to bring you into. Because what good is it for me to bring you into something you don't know how to function in? Is it still a blessing if you can't function in it? Is it still a blessing if you can't operate in it? Is it still a blessing if you're gifted for it but don't know how to handle it? You're way too quiet. Is it still a blessing so God works the process long enough to take what is foreign and make it familiar so that when you get there, you're successful for the kingdom? Look at somebody say, I need the process. I need the process. I need the process. I'm not going to despise it in 2020. I need it. I'm going to take as long as it needs to take for God to make me into what he wants to make me into. I need the process. And Jesus, Jesus for 18 years is walking in process. The son of God still found it necessary to step into process before he fulfilled purpose 18 years 18 years the bible said of increasing oh help me do it holy ghost in stature and in favor with god and with man Oh, don't miss it, don't miss it, because part of the process is not just you earning it with God, it's you earning it with people. Is this too deep this morning? I said it's some of the process is not you earning it with God, it's you earning it with people. Watch this, it's having the kind of integrity you need for destiny. Some of us, God can't give us destiny because we don't have enough integrity to stand in our destiny and be what God needs it to be. So God needs some people that have some integrity. You do know people can't receive from people who don't have integrity. You don't buy products that don't have integrity. The worst thing you can do is get a meal you didn't pay for. And a meal you, oh, come on somebody, don't tell me you ever open up the bag. The bag looked good. The contents inside the bag were nothing like what you ordered. And you had to do that dreaded circle back around. Excuse me. I said a double cheeseburger. No pickle. If you work the analogy, what I tried to tell you is anytime you don't do it right with integrity, you always have to go around it. You have to go back around again and again and again until you pass the test. Watch this, not with God, but with men, because men are needed to fulfill purpose. God gives you the purpose, but God will give you the right connections to fulfill the purpose. And wouldn't it be a shame that God was ready, but you weren't because you didn't have integrity? So for 18 years, Jesus is getting it with God, earning it with men, increasing in stature and in favor with God and with men. He comes out of that moment knowing who he is because it is the journey, not the destination, that proves intimacy and gives knowledge. 
We are so enamored with the destination, not knowing that it is in the journey where you discover yourself. It's in the journey where you discover God. It's in the journey where you get intimate with the Father and you figure out who you are and everybody wants to rush to the destination. But if you'd slow down long enough, you'd figure out that God was talking to you and speaking to you and helping you and wanting to draw close to you in the journey. Oh, am I helping you this morning? In the journey, in the journey, I need the journey to know who he is. I need the journey to figure out who I am. If I didn't have the journey, there would be parts and pieces of me that God wanted to use that I couldn't use because I was unaware. Jesus comes out at 30. Is this message helping anybody so far? He comes out at 30 years old, knows who he is. He's very keenly aware of his purpose and his assignment. But watch Jesus. Just because he knew what he could do and knew what he was called to do didn't mean he stepped right into it. Because just because you can doesn't always mean you should. Oh. Just because you're able doesn't mean you should. Even Jesus knew that there is one final step. Even though I know what I know, there is one final step for me to step into what God has for me. I must be validated. Not just by anybody, but I need the validation of a spiritual father in my life. I need a father to point his finger through the crowd and tell me who I am. I may know who I am, but it's not really real to people if you can tell if you can tell them who you are and you have to be the one to describe what you're capable of. That's not what God is after. That doesn't what make, that doesn't make you powerful. It only becomes powerful when people point out what's on your life. He said, if I pointed out, they wouldn't believe it. I need to submit to a spiritual father in my life. When I submit to a father, a father can point it out in my life, speak it over me, and it should be so. Because the truth is, everybody in this room needs three fathers. Oh, help me do it, Lord. This is deep, but help me do it. Everybody needs three fathers. Everybody needs three fathers. You have a natural father. Whether you like him or not, know him or not, care about him or not, you have a natural father. And the truth is, you needed him more than you think you did because the truth is, to be legal in the earth, every spirit needs a body. Yes, every spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You are not legal in the earth to do anything great unless a spirit finds a body. And your daddy might not have been there for you. Your daddy might not have shown you the kind of love you needed, but I got good news. He gave you the greatest blessing he could possibly give when he gave you a body because now you're legal. Oh, hallelujah. I said, now you're legal. Legal to do what? Legal to lay your hands on sick people and see them recover. You're legal to make a difference with purpose and destiny. You're legal. You do know that's why demonic spirits are tortured and tormented when they cannot find a body. That's Bible. The Bible says they go through dry places seeking a body because they're unable, because they're illegal. Oh, can I go deeper? That's why the Holy Spirit wants to fill a body. Because even though the Spirit of God wants to exact the purposes of God in the earth without some 
body, he can do it. So that's why in the body, we can't shun the work of the Holy Spirit. Our, our prayer should be, God, fill me. Take this body. Baptize this body. Because Holy Ghost, if you get in this body, you're going to be able to do more through me than what I could have ever done for myself. Teaching you this morning, he comes down and says, if I don't get a father, even Jesus said I must submit to a spiritual father. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that the Jordan River is more than a place of baptism. It is the place by which a spiritual son has come to a spiritual father to stand in the order of the kingdom, fathers to sons, so an inheritance can be passed. And when he comes, he comes silently. Because when you know who you are, you don't have to tell everybody. He stands off in the corner as Jesus of Nazareth, knowing who he is. And a spiritual father, every good spiritual father. Wait, I know what some of you are asking. Josh, are you, Pastor Josh, are you trying to say that John is Jesus' spiritual father? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how do you know that? Because of what he did when Jesus showed up. Because every good spiritual father, every good spiritual father, every good spiritual father points out identity and assignment. So you have a natural father. You have a heavenly father. You need a spiritual father. How do I determine my spiritual father? Uh, I determine a spiritual father by this. How does he release identity and assignment in my life? That's why when Jesus showed up, Jesus stayed quiet until John said, Behold! The Lamb of God identity that takes away the sins of the world assignment. And when he got assignment and identity, then he was permitted to do the work of the ministry. And some of us in this room, we are missing out on the blessing of submitting our life to spiritual authority and a spiritual father. Because when you do, now you have permission because of the validation to do something great in the kingdom. You need a father. Well, most of us have two out of the three. The, the problem with that is God doesn't work in twos. He works in threes. The greatest trinity in the kingdom, one of the greatest trinities of the kingdom is spiritual fathers, earthly, natural, and spiritual. We all need one if we're going to step into the next dimension. Jesus comes down to the river. John says, I'll be your spiritual daddy. I'll release identity and assignment. And like every good spiritual father, he says, there's one more step. Let me release, watch this, a prophetic preview of what he's about to do. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? The Bible says that Jesus came down to the Jordan because the truth is he would have to come down from heaven to earth, but not just come down from heaven to earth. The Bible says he got down in the waters of Jordan, and John said this is what his whole ministry is going to be like. I see it as his father. He's going to go down. But don't worry, after three days, oh, come on, somebody. After three days, he's going to get back up again. Oh, come on, somebody. That's still good news that we don't serve some dead and dry God or some dead and dry Jesus. We don't serve some idol. This is not idolatry. The Jesus we just praised is alive and well, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Somebody ought to give him praise that he's alive. Oh, come on, I've said, are you thankful that every prayer is heard, that when you call on his name, he still hears you. He is not a dead God. He is alive forevermore. 
He's alive. He's alive. If, he, if he's alive, your prayer life should be alive. If he's alive, your worship should be alive. If he's alive, the church should be alive. If you want to know why we get a little crazy at Calvary every once in a while, why we get a little bit radical, it's because we are reflecting what we know. And if he is alive, I want to show everybody that he is alive in me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus comes down, submits to a spiritual father, submits, and watch the consequence. The moment he submitted to a spiritual father, the Bible says heaven opened up. Oh, don't miss it, because oftentimes we feel like the right song would open up heaven, or the right sermon will open up heaven, or the right preacher and the right speaker or the worship will open up heaven. But according to this, that's not what opens up heaven. What opens up heaven is a surrendered, spiritually in order and submitted life. When God saw that Jesus was in order, he opened up heaven over top of him. Is it possible? that heaven is not opening because you're just out of order? Is it possible you haven't submitted enough to see the blessing of the Lord in your life and the way God wants to open it up and give it? Isn't that not what he said? That I would open up, open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you have no room to receive. I got stuff that's bigger than what you can even conceive in your mind. What I'm waiting for is to get the earth to get in alignment with heaven. If I can get the earth in alignment with heaven, I will open up heaven. He opens up heaven, and for, the, for the only the second time in the Gospels, he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. How can he say that to a son that hasn't even started his ministry in the earth? Because God already saw what he could do, what he was about to be. And God said, before he ever does it in front of you, I'm already pleased with what I've seen in him in eternity. Oh, that's a blessing right there for every person that feels like you're getting a late start. That's a blessing because God is pleased with your life. Why is he pleased? Because he still knows what you can do. He still knows what you're capable of finishing. He still knows the anointing. He still knows what he's predestined your life to accomplish. He knows, and he said, I'm pleased. For the first time in Scripture, let me finish this thing. For the first time in Scripture, we see an audio-visual reality of the Trinity. It is the only time in Scripture you'll see them all there in an audio-visual way. Oh, they were all there in creation. Come let us. It's implied, but this is the first time you see all three in the same place. Hallelujah. Oh, the Father is speaking down. The Son has just come out of the water, water beating off of his brow and coming down his hair and gently. Softly, the Spirit of God, like a dove, through the open window of heaven, comes drifting down the skittish, yet powerful dove comes to rest on the shoulders of Jesus. Oh, isn't that what we all want? And that what we all desire is to have a life where the dove just doesn't land, he lives. 
Isn't that what we're all after in this room this morning? Is to have the kind of life that the Holy Spirit doesn't come and visit and leave, but the Holy Spirit comes, lands, and never leaves again. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only one, but I need the Holy Spirit more than I want breath in my lungs. I, I desire the dove. I, I desire the Holy Ghost in my life. I don't want religion. I don't want calisthenics. I don't want just songs. I don't want just preaching. I, I want a life full of the dove. I want a life where the Holy Spirit can operate in me wholeheartedly, 100%, holding nothing back. Oh, I wonder if there's anybody who wants a life where the dove lands and lives forever. I want the dove. I want the dove. I want the dove so I can do what I'm called to do. I want the dove so I can do more than what I thought I could do. I want the dove so that my family can be saved. I want the dove so I can lay my hands on the sick and see them recover. I want the dove so I can work with power. I want the dove so that words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophecy can come out of my mouth. I want the dove. Does anybody want the dove? One text took it a step deeper and said, not only is it the person whom you see the dove land upon, it's the one you see the dove land on and remain. Which implies that the entire life of Jesus was a life lived with the dove in mind. Oh, help me do it, Holy Ghost. In other words, the, the dove is a skittish bird, easily scared away by what it is not comfortable with. In other words, Jesus said, every step I take, every place I go, every word that comes out of my mouth, I do it with the dove in mind. In other words, I can't go some places because that would mean the dove would have to go. Oh. See, I know some of y'all think this is old school, but there's some things I can't watch because if I watched it, I'd have to make the dove watch it too. There, there are some things I can't say because if I said it, people would associate the dove as having said it. Oh, I can't, I can't go someplace and I can't do some things. I can't listen to some stuff because if I listen to it, that means the dove would have to listen to it. And I don't know about you, but if it comes down to having what you want me to have or having what the dove has in mind, I'll take the dove every day. I'll take the precious Holy Ghost every single day of my life. Oh, I wonder if there's anybody that could take about 15 seconds, uh, open up your mouth uh, and let God know uh, I'm about to live a life uh, with the dove. Send that Holy Ghost. Uh, he can land and live in me. I want to live a life with the dove in mind. I want to know that he'll, he'll never have to worry about me taking him somewhere he doesn't belong or saying something he would never say or doing something he would never do. Jesus has the dove. Oh, what a moment. Can I go deeper? It's more than a life-changing moment. It's a name moment. In the grandeur of the Jordan, there is the submission of a son. There is the opening of heaven, spiritual fathers, the glistening sun, the, the, weighted, the weighted water of baptism. It's, it's all in the grandeur. And then the dove comes. The dove, the dove lands upon him. Ah. But I could not stand on that alone because the text I brought before you showed me something that concerned me deeply. Because the same Holy Spirit that lands like a gentle breeze 
next moment, the text says, is the same Holy Spirit that drives him into the wilderness. The same Holy Ghost that validates him is the same Holy Spirit that grabs a whip and says, now you can't stay here. Because in the Jordan, you're validated, but your purpose is not in the Jordan. Oh, hallelujah. So every once in a while, the Holy Ghost that tells you you can will also tell you you can't stay. And the same spirit that came upon him drove him to the wilderness. Let me ask you a question. Can your Holy Spirit drive you? Can your Holy Spirit drive you? Can it drive you into places that don't feel good to your flesh but are perfect for your destiny? Can your Holy Spirit drive you? Can it push you out of your comfort zone and push you into where you need to be? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he cannot be a comforter until you're outside of your comfort. You will never see him in his power in your life as long as you get him in the river and take him in the river. But every once in a while, if you want to fulfill purpose and you want to have a moment of dedication, you must let that Holy Ghost shove you out of everything you know to be normal and true and say, if you'll let me lead you. I'll take you because the truth is when it comes to the Holy Spirit you cannot separate filled with from the led by you cannot separate filled with the Spirit from led by the Spirit it's either both or it's none at all why would I feel what I cannot have control of why would I take over what will not yield? You, if you want me to fill you, please know the consequence is you have just told me I can lead you. And some of us would rather retreat back to Jordan and encounter the same encounter and have the same type moment over and over instead of making progress towards the purpose God has already prepared and we don't get there because we didn't let him drive us. One of the greatest prayers you can ever pray in your life is drive me until you have to control all of me. Drive me until I go where I go, even if I go reluctantly. Oh. That's for mature believers. That's for mature believers because if you've done this thing for any amount of time and served God for real, you know there are some places he takes you to you don't want to go. Oh, how? Come on, somebody. How do you know that, Pastor Josh? Because the Bible says the Spirit drove him to drive him meaning that there was some resistance and reluctancy but nevertheless if you're gonna let him fill you and lead you you have to trust him that where he's taking me is going to be good for me whether I feel comfortable or not oh come on somebody you ought to give God some praise that even though it doesn't feel good to you it's gonna be good by the time he gets done with it He went reluctantly out of, the, out of the Jordan, being pushed into a place and an environment that is contradictory to everything he just experienced. How do you know that? Because he leaves the calm waters, cool waters of the Jordan for the intense heat of the wilderness.
he leaves the flapping of the dove for now the hiss of the serpent. It could not be a more opposite environment of what he just left. And if you do this thing right, there are some times you're going to be dedicating yourself to God. Come on, we're in a season of dedication. You're going to be going deeper in God and find yourself in places you never thought you'd be loving God as much as you've been loving him. Oh, I wish I had some real people. I wish I had some real people that sometimes God will take you places that make no sense to you. Make no sense to where you at. How can I be loving him like I've been loving him, serving him like I've been serving him? I'm more, I'm more active in the church than I've ever been. I'm serving. I'm a part of a small group. I'm leading a small group. I am serving. I'm a part of it. How in the world can I be dedicated and yet feel this disoriented? Shoved into a place that makes no sense for all that I've been doing for him. The environment is contradictory because God is about to prove him in the wilderness. God is about to show him in the wilderness. Can I finish this message? And all of a sudden, it is in the wilderness that Jesus comes under attack. Isn't it amazing how as long as you stay comfortable, you don't go through much attack? But the moment you start making progress in God... Then the enemy comes. It's almost like he waits to, to see if you're real serious. Oh, come on, somebody. Are you really going to do it? And when I see you making progress, then you become a threat. And if you're a threat, I must extinguish the threat. So some of you been, ain't been attacked and you're shouting about it, but the truth is it's an indictment on your progress. Is that, is that, y'all right? Breathe, 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 breathe. Because the truth is, if you do it right, you're going to get hit every once in a while. If you do it right, you're going to be on hell's hit list and you're going to receive demonic attack. If you, if you do this thing right, uh, you got to get ready because if you think the devil's going to sit back and let you win your family, let this church win this region, let us play more, the devil is a liar. He's going to come at us with some stuff. But how many know greater is he that's in, oh, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And if God before me what can be against me I might be in a wilderness but I still have God and if I still got God I got everything I need to win even in the wilderness don't you dare let that devil confuse you and lie to you that told you because you're in the wilderness you don't have God let me tell you something that God is more with you in the wilderness than you could ever know and you might not feel him but I promise you baby he is right there with all leading and guiding you to where you're called to be He is in the wilderness, uh, reluctantly stepping into progress, about to come under attack. But Jesus, the divine side of him, foresaw the attack and made a preemptive strike of his own. The Bible says before he is tempted of Satan, he goes on a 40-day fast. Ah, a fast to win against temptation. Oh, come on, somebody. A 40-day fast. Don't get it confused. The fast is not the temptation. The feeling you feel when you're on a fast and you want food is not temptation for food. It is your flesh crying out and your spirit saying, you ain't going to get what you want. Oh, because the truth is a fast prepares the soul for temptation through the vehicle of denial. 
Where are the people in the room who can deny themselves so they can die to themselves? Some of us are treating some of these words these days in church as Christian cuss words. Can't talk about the S word. Don't talk about sanctification. Don't, don't bring up that H word, holiness. Don't, don't, don't dare talk about that F word, forgiveness. Don't, don't throw that D word at me. Don't throw denial at me. Because we live in a whole generation that thinks that just because you want it, you should get it. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Do you not know this kingdom is not about what you can get. It's about how much you can deny yourself so God gets from you what he put in you. Oh, I know it's a song. I know it's a hard doctrine, but the truth is he didn't say come enjoy yourself. He said come deny yourself. And as you deny yourself, you'll find the life you've always been wanting to live because I know how to give you a life better than you could get on your own. So if you give your life to me, whoever loses his life finds his life. And every once in a while, you've got to be willing to suffer so that you see what God has prepared. Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to suffer? No, no, I don't say God authors the say He allows the suffering to prove in you, to show you and to strip from you everything you don't need in a season. Jesus comes into the wilderness. He fasts as a preemptive strike to let God know that if I have to suffer for a little bit, these light afflictions, oh hallelujah, are working an exceeding weight of glory in my life. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the suffering. I came to tell somebody going through a suffering season right now where it feels like everything's going crazy in your life, hang on tight. Because if you can get, oh hallelujah, through the suffering on the other side, on the other side of your suffering, there is a destiny and a blessing and favor and anointing if you don't quit to end the suffering. Am I helping anybody? I will use denial to get through the fast and I will tell my body no. Over and over he comes through with a no and a no and all of a sudden right on schedule the serpent shows up to tempt him but he has already prepared himself for the temptation and he says if you'd have hit me with this early on I might have fallen but now I am prepared take your best shot what you got 40 days of fasting he should be depleted naturally he is spiritually he is fed and Satan comes you can play soft Satan comes and he says, I know you've been fasting for 40 days, but turn these stones, temptation number one, turn these stones into bread. Turn them into bread. I want to do an appetite check. I want to know, are you still hungry for what you were hungry for before you fasted? Because fasting has a way of changing your appetite and making you hungry for all the right things. He says, turn the stones into bread. In other words, he was trying to get him to settle for a lesser meal. Because the truth is, Jesus said, I don't need to get bread. I am bread. 
I am the bread of life. Why would I settle for something lesser when I know who I am and who I am is I am the meal I'm looking for. I am the bread of life. I don't need to go get bread. I need meat. Temptation 2 takes him up, shows him a bunch of kingdoms, and said, if you'll worship me, you can have all these kingdoms. Jesus says, really? Really? Well, one thing the fast showed me and all this preparation showed me who I really was. And uh, I got some news for you. That would actually be, be settling for less of who I am in my own identity. Because uh, Satan, just so you know, um, to give me a kingdom means nothing because I'm already a king. You can't give me what I already have. And I'm not just any king. Come on, somebody. I am a king of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't you dare get me to, to drop my standard and take a lesser role when I am mm, the righteousness of God. Temptation two. Temptation three. He says, now throw yourself down off this pinnacle. I'm done right here. Throw yourself down off this pinnacle. He said, get some angels to catch you. When I, when I read the third one, I feel like I said something in my spirit said, you've heard this before. You go all the way back to Genesis. It's the same temptation he used on Eve. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Bread, flesh, kingdom's eyes, pride of life. Throw yourself down and catch. Look at that devil. He's been using the same old tired mess from the book of Genesis. He ain't got nothing new to throw at you. He's throwing the same, old, oh, I know he don't want me to tell you all that, but he's throwing that same old junk clear back from Genesis, and all you got to do is hop in this vehicle of denial and go through this season and stand and say, I will not, I will not let this deter me from what God has called me to do. And the Bible says, Satan left. This is it, don't miss this. We go from the grandeur of the Jordan through the intensity of the wilderness. He has fasted 40 days. His body is depleted. His energy physically is gone. He has just survived the most intense spiritual season of his life. He wasn't tempted by some lower level devil. He has been tempted by Satan himself. I wonder if there's anybody in this room today that knows what it's like to be in a fight that is taking from you in the natural and depleting you in the spiritual to the point where you're more dedicated but you just don't have the strength anymore to go forward. I want to do more. I want to make a difference. But I'm hurting so bad. I don't know if I can take another step out of this. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I know I survived the temptation. I know I made it through the wilderness. But I don't have enough strength left in me. And if I left the narrative, I feel the anointing. If I left the narrative there, it would look a lot like some of us who came in this room this morning doing our best to be dedicated to God, but still depleted from what life is taking from us. 
from what the fight in our family has done and the fight of our flesh is doing. We're depleted on every level, trying to do something great for God, but there's no energy, there's no strength. God, did you let me survive all that just to die here? And in one moment, it looks like he will perish in the wilderness. And just as he is gasping, depleted, there is the sound of wings. Don't miss this. It's the final point of this message. There is the sound of wings. Except this time, it's not the dove. This time, heaven opens. And the host of heaven are coming to a depleted Jesus with one assignment to restore back everything that this wilderness season stole from you, everything you were dry in and empty of. Here come the angels. Oh, hallelujah. Here come the angels. And God told me this morning to tell you that yes, you have gone through a season of dedication. You've been fasting and you've been praying, but it seems like you've been getting hit. And you say, how can I be hit if I'm fasting? If I'm fasting, why should I be hit? And God says, you're getting hit because you've been fasting. Fasting and getting hit and you're depleted on every level. God said, if you listen close to this morning, here come the angels. I don't know who that's for, but for every person going through a tough season where you're weary and you're tired, and you cry yourself to sleep. I'm talking to some people sitting in the car so overwhelmed by life, so stressed out. All you can do is, is cry on your way to work. In your lunch break, you're shutting your office door and you're weeping. People can't sleep at night because you're so depleted from what this season took from you. Listen clearly to this preacher this morning. God is about to send the angels your way. Here come the angels in your direction. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I dare you to lift up your hands. I dare you to say, God, if I'm talking to you, God, I need the angels. Send the angels. I, I need a revelation. I, I need strength again. I need joy again. I dare you to jump up on your feet. If I'm talking to you this morning, lift up your hands for just a moment. God promised me that he was going to fill this room with angelic hosts that are coming on his command from his word to bring back everything this season has stolen from you. Here come the angels. Oh, mama. I came to tell you, here come the angels. Grandmama, here come the angels. Woman of God, here come the angels. Man of God, here come the angels. Here come the angels. Here come the angels. Here come the angels. Lift up your hands. I feel the anointing. I feel the anointing. Oh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me do something real soft, real soft, real soft. I feel this in my spirit. There are people in this room who have gone through great trauma. I'm talking about not, the, not your everyday struggle. I'm talking about a fight that almost killed you. Killed you emotionally. It almost had, had you thinking thoughts like you wanted to kill yourself and you wanted to die and you just want to give up. I'm talking about loss so deep, hurt so bad that it had you roll up in a ball at night and you're saying, God, what have I done? Where am I going? Oh, but God told me to tell you, he's sending. Listen, 
sending the angels I'm going to do something big I want to be led by the spirit for just a moment if I'm talking to you you've been going through a season of deep hurt deep trauma and you've been weary and you're restless and you say God I need ministry I need help I want you to get out of your seat on the count of three I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost uh, if I'm talking to you you've been through it uh, that's it come on on the count of three come one oh I'm not I'm, I'm going I'm not going to wait on you come come I'm talking to weary people hurting people too I feel this I feel the anointing to minister three if I'm talking to you weary people People, hurting people wounded people you're hurt by what they did and hurt by what they said you're hurting this morning you don't know what's next you don't know where to go who am I talking to get out of your seat the angels are coming the angels are coming. You don't have to play the part this morning. You don't have to pretend like everything is good. The angels are coming. The angels are coming. I'm going to wait 15 more seconds. I feel it so deep in my spirit. There are people who have endured tough things. He left you and she walked away from you. And people you thought would be there forever have, dis have abandoned you. But the angels are coming. The angels are coming. The angels are coming. 10 seconds. I don't know who I'm waiting on. I don't feel released. I didn't do this in the first service, but I feel this so deep in my spirit. I hear you. I hear you. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. I know what it's like to walk through seasons. I know what it's like. Come on, man of God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. There's a man in this room so stressed. You've thought about just getting in your car and leaving your family. The angels are coming, man of God. I don't know who I'm talking to. Get out of your seat. Get out of your seat, man of God. Get out of your seat. A man so stressed out. Think about quitting work and just killing himself. The angels are coming. The angels are coming. The angels are coming. Slip up your hands, everybody. I promise we won't belong in this, but there's ministry in this room this morning for people who are weary and tired and going through it. There's a woman in this room. There's been trauma in your family. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The kind of trauma with a child that has you questioning everything. I hear you, Holy Ghost. The angels are here. The angels are here. So desperate. Mama, get to this altar. The angels are here. God promised me the angels would be here this morning. He said, I'm going to fill the whole room with angelic hosts. This is it. I can't, I can't make you, but I sense in my spirit depression and anxiety in this room on a whole nother level. I'm not talking about you just felt it one day and it went away. I'm talking about people struggling with anxiety and depression God is sending angels that are about to bring back joy if I'm talking to you you're suffering from anxiety depression and fear and worry get out of your seat and get down to this halter there's ministry for you I wait on you this morning it matters that much to God it matters that much here come the angels Ooh, lift up your hands close your eyes here come the angels. 
Here come the angels. I want the staff to get ready. We're going to pray for some people for just a moment. Here come the angels. Woman of God, here come the angels. He knows, he knows, he knows. God said to tell you, he said, I've seen, I've seen. The angels are coming with answers and strength. Not another day of heartbreak. No more fear. Here come the angels, men of God. Here come the angels. I want the staff to get ready. I'm going to release you to lay hands on people. We're going to sing. We're going to sing and worship. I need everybody in this room. Don't leave for just a moment. Come on, slip up your hands. Uh, I need us to create an atmosphere for angels, for angels, for angels. God is sending angels. Uh, you don't think angels work in the Bible? D Jacob said they were constantly ascending and descending. Oh, Daniel said he prayed. And when he prayed, when he prayed, when he prayed, 21 days, 21 days. I know it seems like it's been a while but angels are coming and they're bringing answers this time they've got answers 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 in the name of Jesus wisdom and answers wisdom and answers are you ready I want this whole staff to get ready to pray for people and the anointing of God is going to touch you come on I need everybody to lift your hands for just a moment are you ready staff oh on both sides on both sides one hallelujah hallelujah two three come on begin to pray for people in this room begin to pray go ahead pastor Courtney sing sing angels are on the way angels are on the way angels 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 angels
center aisle, lift your hands. Right here. You're in this bump. I literally just heard the Lord say, He's about to send angels. Close your eyes. There's about to be a release of God's power. You're going to come into an awareness of God right now. Close your eyes. Not another second. There it is. But ministering angels are now ministering to people who are weary and tired. I hear the Lord say he's coming with answers, answers. People in this middle aisle here have been looking for answers. Answers to stuff that nobody else had solutions for. You've sought other people. You've wanted to know, could you make it? Can I do it? And their advice seems to prove wrong time after time. But God said, here comes angels with divine answers. Close your eyes. Here comes wisdom in the name of Jesus. There it is. Now, the fire of God is moving through this aisle right here. Just receive. Just receive. Here comes answers. Here comes answers. Here comes answers. Here comes answers. Slip up your hands in this room one last time. I want you to hear me in this room. Because in just a moment, we're going to give and I'm going to bless you. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna move out from this moment. But the truth is, God said to expect to sense as you go today and tomorrow in the week ahead you're going to become very aware that you're not alone God said get ready all throughout this week and come the angels bring in ministry text said that he was there being ministered to by angels and he was amongst the wild beasts why does Mark tell us that there were beasts there? Why are beasts in the picture? Beasts are there because they smell flesh. They think something has died. And rightly so, something has died. But I want you to hear me. Don't be shocked if you leave this moment and the beasts are still there. When I say beasts, I'm talking about when it seems like the trouble is still there, don't, don't, 
Don't get freaked out when you hear the snarls of the beast. The beasts are a compliment that you have made it to the other side of the wilderness. God will not let the beast kill you because the angels will be ministering to you. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it inspired you in every single way. For more information about Calvary Christian Center or to give, you can go to calvaryfl.com and be sure to subscribe and like this podcast. And we will see you next week here on the Calvary FL Podcast.